This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just the way the goal transpired as well, that this goes loose. You're all hyper because you've just scored and he starts to run. And you're like, oh, here we go, here we go. And this whole away end goes up and you, I don't know what you call that one second before the player hits the Oh, the, the pause shot. before the... Oh, and yeah, just the forget. way, the completely <laughs> audacious, ridiculous way he just larrups it into the corner is the best moment I've had watching Ipswich in, in years when that ball hit the net. Okay. And, but Dave, the realisation then of yeah, yeah. this is happening... Hello and welcome back to part two of our 22-23 Ipswich Town season review and joining me to discuss it, Craig Fimbo, Ben Bloom, Dave Diamond. I've got the got the choice cuts, the choice meaty chunks of the Bloom Monday podcast. We need to say thank you to Mikey, to Joe and to Seb. You can watch part one. We'll put a link up um, in both the podcast and the video descriptions to go and do that. But let's say hello to everyone. First off, the, the member of the pod team whose week has been it's been a blur, hasn't it, Craig? How are you? What have you been up to? Uh, very good, Rich. Yes, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I've, amongst other things, um, I went to see Essex's finest blur at the Colchester Arts Centre on uh, Mobius, Friday evening. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, pro- yeah. they're proper, proper Essex. Like, they're like Basildon Essex, aren't they, yeah. rather than posh, posh Essex. Mm. Um, so yes, so don't don't ask me how I got tickets. I was just on the Ticketmaster website, click and refresh like forty thousand other people, and two tickets dropped into my uh, basket, and away we went. And there were we were queuing up to get in, and there were people from Mexico. Um, guy behind us was had come from Valencia, um, wow. and yeah, it was sort of and a Brightling Sea. And Brightling Sea. There's wow. a ven- there's a venue that you know I've been to dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times, and seen kids puppet shows. You know. <laughs> recitals of the christmas carol the blockheads glenn tilbrook everything, oh, all the comedians oh. you can think of everything in between and now to top it off blur so yeah Craig, was... Craig, you've got to ask who had the prized other ticket well, my wife unsurprisingly had the prized other ticket uh, i'd also i'd also got tickets to see james at the albert hall on wednesday night but i had to give up my ticket because my daughter's not very well so i looked after her babysat my wife took a friend, so my wife got a, my wife's wow, friend. Cool. Right time of it, brilliant. Any other nineties acts, Brit pop acts that you're going to see next, Craig? Um, Coolish Shakespeare playing at Ampthill down the road from me. How about that? I'm, I'm going to see Pulpit. Um, what are they called? Finsbury Park in July. Dodgy so. a, a retouring three piece suite. That's a 
that's that's on my list. I, presumably, we're all Blur versus Oasis. We're on the Blur side because of geography. Is that fair? I'm looking around, shaking of heads. Dave looks very incredible. I always no, think I, I was, it was close for me, but always Oasis. I think I yeah. always think Oasis had the better hit hit songs, but Blur were the better band. I think you can make an argument okay. for both. For both. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's chat with let, let's continue to chat with Ben. Not about music. We kind of think like this is the quiet time for the pod, but you are still on the motorways. You are still churning out the videos. It's exciting time for you. It's like Christmas, isn't it? Playoff season. It is like Christmas. So I was roundly mocked on Thursday <laughs> for deciding not um, having bought a ticket to go to the greatest comeback in playoff history. But it's all right because I did see Barnsley won. Um, <laughs> Barnsley won Bolton nil. Uh, what else did I see? Real Coventry quiz. nil, Middlesbrough nil. Yeah, that Whoa. was tight. And Luton two, Sunderland nil. It's been a long week. I just want to question some recruitment here, Rich. David Diamond's job on this pod is to say crap. That's what people want him to do. And you've brought him on for the biggest winning streak. And it's why is he here? I, well, let's ask him, Dave. Why are you here? What's... <laughs> to be fair, to be perfectly honest, I'm not really sure. I, I know, I know exactly why I'm here. I was supposed to be on the, I was supposed to be on Thursday's show, and um, and events, um, events took over themselves. So I couldn't be on Thursday's show, so here I am. Well, here we'll I get am. you to talk about the bit between December and January, then, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we can throw the throw the audience bone. That's what they want. Uh, but yeah, well, um, let's pick it up, and I think what we're trying to do, obviously. We've got a back catalogue of podcasts throughout the whole season, so we're not going to go into minute detail here. But I think what we'll try and do is is maybe try and recall some of our thoughts, emotions at the time as things played out, because it's a very emotionally, particularly the start of the second half. We've we've just beaten Oxford at Portman Road when Mikey, Seb, and Joe left us, and we're starting this kind of turgid run really of draws and the January transfer window opening guys Portsmouth at Christmas time not an exciting place to go for anyone I'm sure at Christmas time but at that point Danny Cowley fighting for his job and it's it's kind of chapman to the rescue there but as this window is opening guys we've got three draws in six prior to that Pompey result Craig are you in terms of the January transfer window we've obviously had a very bullish Mark Ashton talking about no Stearns left unturned. But are you expecting more business than perhaps might have been the case a few months prior when we were on that, the, just that solid run and looking in, unbeatable? Is, is is maybe the this run over Christmas, does it open up the coffers a little bit more than we might have needed to? Yeah, it may well have done because, <clears throat> as you sort of alluded to, we were, we were ridiculously busy um, and also, you know, not in, ter- in terms of quality and quantity in the summer. So, We'd got a half decent sized squad as it was, um, which, as you say, had been doing the business for the first what third of the season, um, and there probably wasn't any requirement around October November time. Probably thought, well, you know, maybe a couple of additions just to give us a little bit of spark and a, a bit of cover in January, just to see us to the end of the season. But yeah, that that lull um, over the course of the, like the turn of the year, tail end of last year. I think I, I was surprised with the the number that we brought in. Really, in the end, um, you know, it, it was a, certainly a statement of intent um, in terms of the quality. And when you compare it to uh, to the other teams that we were fighting against, you know, they it, it blew them out of the water in terms of the you know the, the business that we did as well. Yeah, it did. I mean, should we should we deal with these guys now? Obviously, they signed throughout the first part of January, so there's a few games in between. But the the first one up is is Massimo Luongo and the guys in the first part have been talking about 
we need those that cover for for the likes of Humphreys and Morsey in midfield. And Dave, it's no surprise really that Luongo signs, but hadn't really featured at Borough and a free transfer. There's a few weeks of training. It, it's not an immediate first of January announcement. Were you getting a little bit question marks about yeah, it? Yeah, I mean that, that that kind of came from left field. I mean, obviously, as town fans, we all knew of Luongo and perhaps followed his, you know, had followed his career since that sort of brief spell. Under, under McCarthy, what, 10 seasons ago now. So, um, yeah, by that time, um, Evans had picked up his injury by that time. So it was certainly Humphreys playing alongside, playing alongside um, Morsey, also in that in that sort of run as well. So, um, yeah, Luongo, Luongo coming in, I think there were some eyebrows raised. He hadn't really played at all for Middlesbrough. It was an odd one. I mean, he was fairly consistent, I think, the seasons before for Sheffield Wednesday. But um, hadn't really figured for Middlesbrough at all. Obviously, question marks about his fitness. And and even after he signed, he didn't really figure for the first month. I think, did he not make his debut, I think, at home? Did he come on against Burnley and whack and whack someone, didn't he? Really whack someone. And yeah, he thought, this, okay, yeah. this is this is what we want. This is this is what this is kind of what we need. And he, you know, he put in a really little cameo, I don't know, 15, 20 minute cameo. And then I don't think again he really featured after that for a few weeks. But yeah, once he established you know, once he became established, you could see what he was um you could see what he was about. And then the- it's weird. To, it doesn't really happen in the modern game. That's that same kind of FA Cup runner games. George Hurst and then Nathan Broadhead. We'll talk. We'll talk to. Um, we'll talk to Craig about Broadhead in a second. But George Hurst is pictured in the stand before he's even signed. I mean, that's right. In, in terms of poorly kept secrets and all that kind of stuff, and two and two equals four for us. <laughs> you know, someone we've been pursuing for a while, Dave, and great to well, get over. Again- but again, someone who's not been featuring much. No, they haven't been featuring much. And I remember, you know, on um, I think amongst ourselves on the pod, there was a general consensus that, oh, George Hurst, really? You know, we thought that ship had sailed at the start of the season, really, you know. Um, and he hadn't really, um, you know, he hadn't really featured much for featured much for Blackburn. So, again, that was not left field because, obviously, um, you know, McKenna was very, very keen on him, hence the, um, hence the pursuit of him at the, you know, in the close season. So, um Again, yeah, he comes in, and yet yeah, a strange one. He was there, wasn't he? I think watching that. I think it was the Burnley game with his girlfriend in the director's box, or whatever it was, wasn't it? There's pictures of him there beforehand. So, yeah, sort of fairly poorly kept secret that. But um, yeah, a, a, a sort of a surprise, but perhaps no surprise given that yeah, we were very very strongly linked with him before. Yeah, definitely needed that that forward option as well. And another player that maybe a name that came out of left field, Craig, but. Is the first of these two signings, which to me at the time were statement signings, because Nathan Broadhead comes in from Everton, Whoa. good amount of pedigree, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's like, well, Marcus Arnis is fine, isn't he? And we'll talk obviously over the course of the season of the contribution that Broadhead goes on to make. But what was your take at the time? So you're saying that Marcus Harness wasn't a dud, or he was a dud? I can't. <laughs> I, can't, I mean, you have to continue. That I can't one. remember which one. Oh, no, I can't involved, remember which uh... one. Which one I twisted myself in, up my own arsehole about. Um, yeah. So he, as you rightly say, you know, he, he we'd managed to persuade Everton, you know, by waving some pound notes in front of their face to recall him from a Championship loan to um, sell to us in, in League One. Um, and he'd, he'd be doing well. Um, well, he's certainly been playing a lot of games for, for Wigan. Um, he'd played over 20 league games in the first half of the season. You know, so he hadn't been missing many, um, which was one of the um, 
slight concerns you, you may have had with him at Sunderland because, um, as I've mentioned before, I know um, a Sunderland fan very well, the former mayor of Brighton. He'd been replaced in the last week or so, but <laughs> he... he um, he he's a big. And Sunderland. I get crap for name dropping. Jesus, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that's quite on the same level. To <laughs> local, be honest. local politics. <laughs> the guy Don't who got uh, funding for the Brighton Lido. Um, yeah, so he he um, he he goes and sees Sunderland a lot. You know, he's up and down the A1 and see family and stuff. And he said he's a he's a player. You know, this guy's a very very good player. If you can keep him fit. Uh, he, he'll play one, he'll miss two, he'll play two, he'll miss three sort of thing. I think he may have played 20 games for Sunderland in League One over the course of the whole season when he was with them and helped them get promoted. But what he what he said was, this guy is he's mustard, you know, in and around the box, he makes runs, he's good in the air, he's spectacular with his feet, he finds space, good dribbler, good finisher, just got to keep him fit. Yeah. I thought, wow, you know, and... Uh, no, you know, not having is a name you sort of recognise you've seen in in passing, but you know, maybe not something you've really t- taken too much um, notice of. But yeah, he said he was he was full of full of praise. Um, you know, she'll be able to get over the line and say we obviously smashed the cash to get him in from Everton. And, uh, once he'd got up to speed, the rest is history. And possibly needed some convincing to drop down as well. Possibly a player that didn't need a huge amount of convincing in respect of the destination, but maybe the the level. Ben was. I think, Rich, I think it's important to say that Wigan were terrible as well. They, he was yeah. losing. He was losing every week, and they were going through. So I don't know if Kona Torre had gone then, but you know, much nicer place I think to be here True. rather than up the division. There, I think you'd agree. True, but and you may have, you may get paid at Ipswich as well, which is probably a oh yeah a yeah indeed. But but Harry Clark, Ben, we, uh, the guys in the first half were talking about Dadasing being consistent, ever present. I give credit to Alex Hare and the Telegram group and a regular contributor on the in the live chats. He was talking about a right back for quite a while, but I don't think any of us expected us to be splashing the cash mm. and recruiting someone with championship and Premier League, admittedly, as a youth player, but nevertheless, quite a statement signing this one too. Yeah, so I, I do this thing for a website and it's like championship column every week and I have to do like a loanee of the week and I've done... Harry Clark about a month before after he'd scored for Stoke, but he was playing sort of right wing back um, for Stoke. So honestly, and Rich, you, you sort of text me before and said, right, talk about Harry Clark. Don't be wise after the event. And it's going to be really hard for us to not be wise after the event with a lot of these. So I'm kind of like, okay, a, a right back. Is that, is that what we need? And we, you know, we, we've kind of joked about the financial muscle and it's like there were a, a couple of million pound signings in League One last season and they were both fullbacks going into going into Ipswich. But I think it kind of parlays in what um, Dave was saying about George Hurst that, um, and we again, we don't want to get into the breaking arm, slapping ourselves on the back, but they've been so focused, haven't they, on, no, this... You may not think we need this player now, but we need this player now. And, you know, we've specifically chosen this guy because we know more about football than, than you do. And <laughs> you're going to see once they come in why we've why we've put them in. And I think what, what Clark did, A, was balancing out Leif Davis on the other side. And we, we kind of struggled a bit on the pod with the team shape, kind of very gradually going from a back three to a back four. And we spoke about the Danassi and Burns <laughs> partnership as a, third centre-back and a right wing-back. And I think what the Clark signing did was 
apart from, as Craig has mentioned, being a massive, you know, okay, we really mean business. If we're signing two fullbacks for a million quid here. Um, it kind of finished the transition to properly to, right, no, this is a real back four now. We're not going to play the ball around with three centre-backs. We're, we're, we're pushing on and maybe really started to facilitate this more hybrid physical part of the game because, I mean, Dave mentioned it a few times. Look, look at the guy, you know, if you want to add physicality, pace, presence to your team, just an absolute specimen of a bloke. So I think it stood for a lot of things that I didn't notice at the time. I didn't get it. I'm not Kieran McKenna um, level of brains when it comes to football, but with hindsight now, it it was a really transformative. So obviously Broadhead is the one. He's the special source, isn't he? Yeah. But this this ticked a lot of other type type of boxes in terms of what they were trying to achieve. That I frankly I I couldn't see that at the time. Yeah, and let's let's deal with this this sticky patch during January because there's a lot of emotion we talk about it on the podcast. A lot of emotion within our team and obviously out on social media and what have you. But there is it's a weird kind of clashing of situations here because the FA Cup run, Craig, we'll come to you very quickly, Craig, on the FA Cup because 91-92, you're a big advocate for that season and the success there. But I wonder how much of the FA Cup run at the time was felt as a distraction, but actually ended up building confidence for the job to do at the end of the season. Your thoughts on, on that that dimension? Yeah, well, I think <clears throat> what what it, I think what the 91-92 run did is just gave, it gave us a bit of confidence that we could you know, play at a play at a higher level um and we were all and that's sort of when we around about christmas time is when we started our run toward to the end of the season that year or that season sorry um and i think it was but i'm not entirely sure this one's completely comparable because we were playing almost if not entirely a, a different team in the cup games to the ones that were um struggling in between the cup games weren't we um but what it what it did do i think maybe for in terms of confidence throughout the squad as a whole was this this way that we play can work and will work if you know we we stick at it sort of thing it may it may have given them a bit of belief that it may not be it may not be um clicking in the league at the moment but it can click against um a team which is running away as ben, ben can you know give um yes, note to in terms of the, yeah that's it absolutely um and they more than held their own in, in both games um I say, albeit with you know almost completely different personnel slotting into those those similar positions there. Yeah, definitely gave, well, gave opportunities for Longo and Hurst, didn't it, to get get match fitness that they might not have got in the league. But Dave, this yeah. I'll let you if you, if you want to warm up the the C machine, not that one, the other <laughs> one. This is the, the time to do it because there's there's this last minute draw at Lincoln, Humphreys to the rescue, and probably on the balance of the game, a fair result, albeit stats probably suggest we were a bit unlucky. Then this draw with Plymouth, Plymouth doing what Plymouth do. Uh, and then the low point, and Craig was there, I'm sure, for this, the foggy game at Oxford. <laughs> There's a the kind of a rally against Morecambe, which you, you kind of expect at this point, they are really struggling. And then there's a three-game run of draws, Cambridge away, which was, which oh. kind of felt like this. In, in business world, you talk about teams coming together, there's Foreman, Storming, and then Norman and performing. And this, this Cambridge draw feels like the one where there's the most dysfunction about us, but then there's this... Yeah, I was at that game. The, the, the Cambridge game was a weird game because yeah. I, I think Craig was there as well. We we just played in front of them really. First mm. half was really, really odd first half, wasn't it? We were really passive, weren't we, Craig? You remember Very that? Very deep. Yeah, oh, God. And um, 
And I think he made changes. We we're 1-0 down. And then kind of a little sliding door. Walton makes a great save. Good penalty save. First of... Well, First, come on yeah. to another Come on to another one. Um, <clears throat> and then he made changes. Bought Edwards on, I think, at half-time. And that certainly livened things up. And probably a bit unlucky not to win the game. I think Broadhead missed a good chance. The Dubbo scored a good goal. But we all... Again, we came away from that thinking, oh, you know, it's all a bit... It's not... It's not quite right is it it wasn't you know um yes we rallied in the second half and probably should have won but that obviously then brought us on to the um i think the very next week was the sheffield wednesday game correct yeah yeah Which, well, the cambridge one sorry rich i think dave the cambridge one is the last league start for lee lee evans am i right about that yes yeah which yeah, maybe so. maybe a key yeah. sliding door as well and it, and it was also when we had um keo and edmondson as our centre-backs Match, Good point. We? we did. <laughs> we did. For some idea, reason. Did. A bit of rotation there, a bit of jiggery pokery, and then the, the again, Dave. We talk about the sliding doors moment. Sheffield Wednesday at home. You know, this two 0 down. Michael Smith misses this chance, and then the man, the myth, the legend, Nathan Broadhead announces yeah, I mean, himself. Doesn't he? We were we were nowhere. I mean, you know, the crowd were getting edgy. We were two 0 down. They scored a Smith scored a brilliant goal, and it's one of the, probably. Uh, aside from the perhaps the two at home park, the Plymouth goals, that was probably the best goal. Well, certainly the best goal scored against us. There wasn't many this season, was there? But probably the best goal scored against us at Portman Road. Brilliant goal. And Smith goes through, doesn't he? Um, just, yeah, fluffs that one, goes wide. And then, yeah, probably was, you're right, the biggest sliding door moment of the season just on half time was the ridiculous broadhead free kick. He wasn't even supposed to take it, I don't think. But suddenly he steps up and we think, oh, okay, broadhead, all right, have a go. Plants it in the top corner, and it was that was the liftoff, really, wasn't it? Dave, can I just give you the context of the opponent as well? Wednesday mm. won eleven out of twelve. They weren't conceding either, were and they? That was the draw. That was the one game out of twelve. Yeah, win. yeah they weren't. And previously beat Plymouth as well, didn't they, Ben? As well, just that would have been close, yeah, one nil, one nil. Week oh, the week, yeah, totally right. Is that the game week before? before. Yeah. yeah, they were on fire, and as I've been dragged over the coals for a million times, saying. Guaranteed to go up. Everyone else is playing for second, right? Yeah, and and quite and right, us. quite right at that stage. And um, yeah, obviously rallied, got the goal deflected, free kick from Davis, second half, and yeah, I think we then it, was, it could have gone perhaps either way that game. I think we're generally in the ascendancy possession wise, but yeah, that was uh, that was an important an important point they say, and that was the that was really the catalyst, wasn't it? Because it was a scrappy. It was a sorry, Rich. Just yeah, it pretty, was. Because it was a, it was a scrappy old game. Before we'd scored, and we, you know, we sort of huffed and puffed a little bit. Mr. Penalty, even, well, even Chaplin, Mr. Penalty, of course, yeah. Yes, yes. Even Sheffield Wednesday fans refer to that Smith one-on-one chance. You know, yeah. if you happen to go into their forums, they also um, <laughs> refer. If you in, not maybe in the last you're, you're four, on hey, there every two day, hours, but yeah. maybe pre- previously to that, possibly you might Hell's have gone on talk. there. Um, but yeah, they were also referencing themselves. You know, between that and the broadhead, it just hope, thankfully sparked us into the second half and onwards, didn't it? But Incredible. so before the streak, and this is what I'm a big fan of the film Moneyball. So we're going to refer to what happens from Forest Green on, onwards as the streak. But there's this point at Bristol Rovers. You're there, aren't you? Though Valentine's Day, Craig, you know how to have a good time on oh, yeah. Valentine's <laughs> Day. Is this? No wonder, is this no, no wonder he's missed this. Went to James and Blur no, this week. Say, <laughs> he's clawing back the brownie points. But, <laughs> yeah. is, is this Joey Barton doing what Joey Barton does, or is this this Ipswich team just? getting to the point where it's going to be functional and it's just one game maybe too soon for it. Can I just yeah, give Craig I... the numbers quickly? Because um, Rich is totally right, Craig. Bristol Rovers, and this is so fortuitous, these sliding doors, lost their five previous games. Yeah. 
And I think he just decided, right, I want a clean sheet and a draw here. Yeah. Although, to be fair yeah. to them, they probably had the better chances in the game. You know, <laughs> it was the to, comedy off the, comedy off the line. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was the, the Luke Wolf and <laughs> loving with the post, wasn't it? He was rubbing, he was rubbing himself up and down the post. Yeah, after it, that's uh, disgraceful. It saved us. Um, again, that, that, I think that match, we'd made four changes. So you, you, you're at the point whereby thinking, have we, have we yet worked out? Is everyone quite fit enough yet to be playing all the games? Have we quite worked out what our um, system is? I think Clark had been um, dropped say dropped, but Danassian had taken his place. Aluko started possibly his last start, I'm thinking maybe, um, because Broadhead was on the bench and Clark were on the bench and they came on um, in the second half. But it was, again, it was just a bit of a drab. Game, when, when, yeah, when we're, you know, when we're at our worst, that's how we played. That The Lincoln yeah. game was very passive. This game Cambridge, was very, very certainly. passive, very slow. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, as you said, Rich, I think it probably was a case of just trying to, Get the formula right and getting everyone up to speed. Because they, I say, Broadhead didn't start because they were still nursing him up to full speed um, in terms of the fitness, which you know proved invaluable for the last. Uh, I remember um, doing a post-match pod after I was that on one, that show. That was horrible. and it was all a bit down. And everyone was saying, "Well, hang on, say what? You know, if we don't buck our ideas up, we might mm. not even make the playoffs again." You know, we've seen in previous seasons how it had gone, and um, yeah, it was all a bit. All a bit downbeat after that and game. Dave of Rich, um, Plymouth and Wednesday are still <laughs> well over two points per game, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was the analogy you used that day, Ben. We'd, we'd dipped, I think. By that time, we'd probably dip below two points, hadn't we, I think? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so this point... Not, not far, but I think we had. The Lincoln game is the is the point at which we moved out to third. We'd obviously been in the... In, for the first half of the season, we'd been in the first or second position for the majority of it. But yeah, Lincoln is when it, we dropped to third. That Bristol Rovers game, we actually temporarily dropped down to fourth because Bolton had played a game more than us. That's right. So this is the kind of low point of this point. We're talking midway through February. And you know, at the time, a lot of folk, similar narrative that you you mentioned there, Dave, about is the playoffs going to happen? But Oh, Rich, I was so cheesed off. I was yeah. like, are we really going to mess with spend it all this money? We've got this <laughs> manager. Come on, we can't be wise after the event. I was like, we are going to mess this up. And the way things are going, you're not going to win a playoff in, but there was in even, this type there of was, form. I'm not saying on our on our pod, but, you know, on TWT forums and stuff like that, I mean, there was questions about the manager. There was. There was. Mm. But I, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I rarely do this God I, went on, God I went on Radio Suffolk <laughs> after the Cambridge he's always game. doing it listeners I always pat my own back Let's, that's bullshit <laughs> I don't do that but to me I picked up the sense that you've got these four signings they need to gel but if you're going to have a dip if you're going to have a blip do it now don't do it in March and April <clears throat> for Wednesday and so I was kind of I had that hope that it would turn All around signed. but maybe Maybe because I like being a contrarian a little bit as well, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Ben. Like, there's the four signings that come in. There's the tricky run of games, but now the streak starts with these more accommodating fixtures on paper. A lot of home games as well. So, at that point, of Forest Green four nil win, pretty comfortable. Forest Green don't really know how to play that one and just get turned over. But Broadhead scores again. That one a brace for Chaplin. One of these situations where Chaplin gets is bracing the substituted. But were you thinking that, I guess all of us were thinking, you've got to win all these games now, haven't you? Well, you were saying it. We, so we said a few things. I mean, we, we say a lot of stuff that comes back to bite us on the arse. But I always remember, maybe it was on that pod with, with David, where it was like, it needs to be 
some kind of absurd run. I think I would have said something like eight wins in 11 is what we need, not 13 wins out of 14 or whatever it was that transpired. What we all did, Rich, we all looked at this run of games, which was Forest Green, MK, Burton, Accrington. Obviously, three of those have proven to have been relegated in the end. And it was a little bit of a case of, well, minimum then, you've got to win all of those games. And, you know, and then it gets really hard. And come on, we'd all sat there. And I think it was March the 11th was like Plymouth's last game against anyone in the top 10. And we are all like... If we're trailing them, we're not we're not going to catch them. Looking at looking at the fixtures now, but what we've said on the pod as a theme for a long time is that good work. There's a lag, isn't there? You put the good yeah. work in on the training ground or in the recruitment. It doesn't immediately go bang, does it? There's often a lag, and Craig makes a really good point about you know I, I don't want to get into being smug or wise after the event about nursing Broadhead in, that could have been vital, you know, because could have just thrown him in, you know. We've got Presumably they see him being a complete baller in training as well. And to be patient with him was, was very smart. But I do feel there's a bit of a... Things coming together that are probably processes that have been going on for a long, yeah. long time. Hmm. What we don't know and what I would love to know, and Kieran McKenna will probably never tell anybody, is this... This idea of this change of style that we all think happened, and I'm going to do it, guys. I'm going to do a name drop. Here it comes. I asked Liam Richardson, I said, explain the hybrid style. And he said, I used to say to my Wigan team, you've got to be able to play, you've got to be able to run, and you've got to be able to fight. That's how you win League One. You don't have to do them all in the same game, but across the season, you might have to. You know, like if you play Barnsley, for example, we probably did all three in the, in the same game, as we'll gloriously get on to. I can't wait to talk about that. But um, he obviously was the reigning League One champion. And I think at some point, and I don't know what you guys think, we added the fight and we added the running to the, to the plane. And I don't know when, and I don't know if Kieran McKenna will ever tell you whether there's a conscious change or when he implemented it. But it feels like right about now. Yeah, it does. And David, you, you mentioned the the consternation, the, the doubts that were creeping in prior to this run about McKenna. But we have to give him massive credit for, you know, the, the signings are a, are a factor in the run. Obviously, Broadhead, none of us could have foreseen the massive contribution he'd make. The, the, but Clark coming in kind of feels like a direct strategy recruitment. You know, talk to us about McKenna and and maybe what he'd learned from that really tricky run, that crap run, because you didn't. No, no, I, I think so. No, I, I think you're right, and I think Ben's spot on. And Craig also, you know, with the with the lag, you know, these things you put the you put the time in. As Rob Bobby Robson used to say, time on the grass. You put in the time on the grass, and that, you know, um, and that and that just eventually does come to fruition. But it takes time. Um, do you know, around about that time, I think even perhaps more so than uh, these guys obviously covered it perhaps early on, but you know, even probably more so than Broadhead. Uh, you know the the running and the fight. Just having Luongo in there, and you know adding Luongo to the midfield alongside Morsey was just such, just made mm-hmm. such and such a difference. Humphreys was doing brilliantly. Look, Humphreys mm-hmm. is going to be a great player, isn't he? And I think I think we mentioned on the pod before had that run of games with Morsey sitting on nine yellow cards gone on another maybe another two or three games, he would have picked up a yellow card and he'd be missing three games, and that could have been our season. He was so fundamentally important to our season. That, yeah. that that could possibly 
could possibly have been it. But just going back to that run of that run of four games, I think those that run of four games starting, I think with Forest Green yep. and Accrington, etc. That then ran in, I think, to the Bolton away game. So we said, right, got That's to the win one. these, got to win these four games because look what we've got coming out immediately out of these four games. So you you know you win these four games, you've got yeah okay. People would have expected us to really to win, but you still got to do the business, and you're <laughs> going into the Bolton game, and that Bolt that win at Bolton was the statement, the statement win. I think it really yeah was. it was well the first of a few statement wins, isn't it? And oh yeah, but... we need to give credit to to Sam Morsey. Um, oh, didn't end up getting any of the the trophies for player of the season, but <sighs> you know that goal at MK. But just you talked about it, Dave. Is eight out of ten this every every week. week. Critical Every single place, week. What a level. Incredible. Absolutely. Rich, sorry, can I just come in on the, the lag and the good practice? Mm. I agree totally with what Dave said. We've moaned for years about fine margins, even this yeah. season. What good work does as well is it all of a sudden, Negate. we've said a lot of things already where I've gone, oh God, that went for us, didn't it? That went for us. That went for us. All of a sudden, these things that are... 50-50 could go either way, you know. Okay. I do think there's a lot of happenstance with Luongo. I don't. I think in another universe, he's not even here or he doesn't kick a ball. <laughs> and he ends up being the perfect guy at the, the perfect time, as much as we'd all love to say it was perfectly planned. And you're talking about penalty saves. You're talking about players arriving in, in FA Cup games and that being perfect. You're talking about the context of what the other team have just done when yeah. we go to play them. And it feels like we put ourselves in a position with this good work that all the fine margins and it's you can sit there being a football fan moaning thinking it's bad luck but it's often just good practice and I think we put ourselves in a position where all of a sudden for 71 days or whatever it is every fine margin went in our way and I bloody love it sorry Dave, far a bit from okay. me to use a, a golfing um analogy oh, here but oh. the, the harder we worked the luckier we got didn't uh, we as, as the phrase Gary there. Player yeah there you go Hello. What? I listened to a Happy podcast, birthday. Richard, about Tiger Woods the other day as well. So there I'm getting go. well into my Gary Player. Gary Player is the ultimate. Yeah. It's like how old's Gary Player? Like 82, 83, and still does, does something like a thousand sit-ups sit-ups every day, doesn't he? Yeah. Planks every single day. Embarrassing Incredible. all of us. But Craig, let's um let's take Ben's thoughts then into the Bolton game. This because this is we we've now called it a statement game at least twice, and I'm I'm saying it again. But again. Ben's fine margins, really critical here. This penalty save from Walton, you know, it's a big factor in this win, but great goal from Hurst, isn't it? Oh, Talk yeah. to us about it. Yeah, and and sort of the, the goal from Hurst probably references back. We were talking about um, going maybe a little bit more direct, having a bit more fight, um, and that's what he brought us. You know, for all Freddie Ladapo's um Positives, and he's scored over twenty goals this season. You know, he's, he's done fantastically. But what Hurst allowed us to do, as we'll reference in the Barnsley game, it allowed us to add a bit more fight on the centre halves, didn't it? You know, we were we were all of a sudden even adding an even stronger dimension up front in terms of the battle that we could um, take on you know, two or three defenders all by ourselves in, with one person. And it probably, again, talking about a lag, it probably took him time to get used to us. It took us time to get used to playing with him to his strengths. And I think. This the, certainly the first goal here um, illustrated that in terms of the the pace and directness, um, you know, of of us on the break and him being in the box to be able to glance that in first time into Lovely the goal. into Lovely the goal. far corner. Barry yeah, Dave, that was Barry. That deserved a Barry Davis commentary. That one didn't it? Yeah, it really yeah. he would have the decibel reader would have gone. Barry would have been doing that one, wouldn't yeah. he? 
Craig, it may have you... gone even higher in the in the sub in the next uh, away game, but uh... Uh, yeah, we'll come to that yeah. in a second. I mean, oh. are you? We, we've kind of talked about the you've got to beat the, the Forest Greens, the MK Donses. In terms of the psychology of the team, and probably what McKenna and your mate Kevin Mincher is probably yellow shoes as we call him here, out mm. of love and affection. That this is such a big win in terms of the narrative of the teams that you have to go to in April, the likes of Derby, mm. the likes of Peterborough, the likes of Barnsley with the helpful postponement, which we'll talk about in a bit. How big is it for a team like Ipswich, which has strode against top six teams in his previous yeah. League One campaigns, to kind of get this? Because we've drawn with Plymouth, we've drawn with Sheffield Wednesday, those ships had sailed. Big moment this in respect of the top six narrative, isn't it? Yeah, and also with the relative comfort that we performed as well you know we, it was just and the the almost the perfect away performance wasn't it S- score early hold a team at bay score late so no thanks very much yeah it's safe penalty yes absolutely um but and and then as ben was alluding to when we had our little stutter all of a sudden we were looking below us we were looking at derby we were looking at bolton in terms of us being overtaken exactly and right. this on the back of the wins that we'd got, this then also allowed us just to keep those at arm's length because you know we still couldn't foresee Sheffield Wednesday dipping as much as 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 they were. You know we just had to keep doing our job and literally just hope for the best. Yeah, and I think at the time we were saying, well, it does our playoff chances no harm at all to be able to beat the likes. Yeah, of- we'll be at home yeah. in the first leg. Yeah. Um, George Hurst repeats seven, his goal scoring exploits in a pretty comfortable 2-0 win over Shrewsbury. And then Derby away, Ben, you know, a manager we've had lots of run-ins with. Admittedly, we beat Paul Warren's Derby in November time, but he'd just come in. It was quite a new team, a few injuries, etc. Is this a statement win as well at Derby? Most definitely, yeah. And we've had these conversations. What would a good side do now? A good side would show up there, keep a clean sheet and, you know, win 2-0. And we... We did it twice, and I, I'm just trying to add the context of where those sides were. So Bolton had had a massive clean sheet streak when we went there. They were gearing up for the Pizza Cup final, a game with that everything goes right. They were knackered as well, weren't they? They played like 11 times, and then after they played us, they didn't play once in three weeks or something. So there's a feeling there as well. We got them at exactly the right time. Um, and I've just had a feeling with Paul Warren at Derby, that he's looking at next season. And he yeah. was almost, you know, it's not my squad. Um, there's a mm. few older players here. I'm going to drag them as close as I can. And again, if you look at their results, uh, the timing was lovely to to go there and play them. But it's just the, this consistent thing. And, you, you know, you can sit and I'm sure there'll be people getting annoyed with what we say. Oh, I'm making apologies for the other team. I'm, I'm not because... Everywhere we turned up at this point, Everywhere, we were we ready to go. And, um, you know, there was there was just absolutely no let up. And just, um, are we in the clean sheet streak as well now? Yeah. Is that right? Yep. And this, yeah. this game sets the record of, yeah, sets that record actually. Um, and then I think we then beat Wickham, keep a clean sheet as well. And then it ends at Cheltenham. Um, but that's where the record is set and then it's continued. But... Yeah, I wonder on, on Derby and Paul and whether it's a good fit and whether this, as you say, this summer would expect maybe some mm. demolition man-esque churn now they're not under the embargo. Do you feel like that's coming, Ben? Oh, I think they'll get promoted next season, yeah. Probably mm. finishing the, finish the top two, won't they? You'd, mm. you'd imagine, um, well, we would say this having got up 
It's not going to be three teams scoring 90 plus points next season, is there? <laughs> Set the target. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Haven't we? Dave, we, we can't talk about Derby without, I know you, on the podcast, and obviously all of our back catalogue, go and listen to that, folks. But this this Chaplin goal, do you want to talk to us about this again? We yeah, it is. I, 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 still, I still, I watched that the other day again, actually, and it is, in all my years of supporting Ipswich, that is probably the best goal of its kind I've seen. And doesn't it, Dave, doesn't it exemplify the new thing we were all asking got for? Direct pace, you know. And the key players are all making a contribution. What with his penalty saves? Unbelievable. When, when you look back at that goal, it's, it seems quite simple, but it's just an unbelievably well-executed goal, isn't it? I mean, broader. Yep. I mean, from Perfect the catch pass, from Walton, yeah. the run. Well, the, well, you look back at that goal, as soon as Walton catches the ball, Burns and Broad, they're, they're gone, aren't they? Absolutely gone. He releases it and from then on, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? Just from the ridiculous, what, 50-yard crossfield ball to the presence of Burns to just cushion the header down. Cushion, and, isn't it? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. You, you just know Chaplin, one touch. One touch out of his feet. But it's <laughs> it's a goal. I've, I've heard the goal um, described by um, the Derby. Um, I guess I follow commentary, the local Derby commentary on the day, and, and they're just... What what just almost what what the hell just happened there? You know, unbelievable. As is the second goal as well. I mean, the finish again by Hurst is just um, but just crazy, isn't it? How it, you know, perhaps Burns should perhaps bury the first chance, but just drops. He doesn't panic. He just swivels on it and buries it in the top corner first time. Again, Rich, another sorry, statement. Man. Can I just update your timeline? Because while this is going on, yeah, go for it. we had a two-week gap, and vitally. Um, 26th of March, Forest Green won Sheffield Wednesday nil. You cannot <laughs> underestimate what that did. That is the Wait. shock EFL result of the season. Well, the followed Barnsley, up by the Barnsley another... win, though, is just prior to that, isn't it? Yeah, so... I, do you know what? I don't think the Barnsley and we, you know, if we touch on the playoff final, which is now going to be Barnsley Sheffield Wednesday, I just feel that the Forest Green one, Rich, was 
was the result. And then they go and play the game in hand that they had cancelled against Cheltenham and draw that one as well. And, you know, winning at Cheltenham is not for everyone. When is, the, um, when, is the, when is the cancelled Barnsley game? It's about then, isn't it? So yeah, that's why we have the free week before Derby, isn't it, as well? Yeah, and then it's I don't between think... Shrewsbury and Derby. And again, then then leading on from that, so yeah, in between Shrewsbury and Derby, so don't forget then Broadedge just comes back from that and he's 10 foot tall, isn't he? Scores the equaliser in Croatia yeah. and he's but, just come back and he is just... And Morsey's dodged his suspension of, as well. Morsey's mm. dodged his suspension. Broadhead's come back from that just full of, full of absolute confidence, which let's and, face it, he just carried it through to the rest of the season, didn't he? The context, Dave, with Sheffield Wednesday then, when we come off the pitch against Derby, we're not talking about Wednesday 23 unbeaten. We're talking about they haven't won in five. They've scored uh, three points in five games. And in a season where you're going to finish with 96 and not go up, you can literally circle that and go there. Yeah. 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 Craig, talk to me about Easter. Uh, Wickham are... Very comfortably dispatched 4 0 at home, yeah. and we're starting to get this pattern of usual goal scorers. Hurst scores, mm. Chapman scores, Burns scores. Ladapo is making contributions, even if he doesn't start as well. You know that was a potentially a banana skin game, and then we had the legit banana skin game. The kind of fixtures that we don't want to have ever again. That kind of a hallmark of the League One experience <laughs> away at Cheltenham, but we, we've got this this drawing run from Sheffield Wednesday that Ben has talked about. And suddenly the um, Derby game, we're third, Wickham, we're second, Cheltenham back down to third again. So talk to us about the, the mini roller coaster over Easter and your thoughts about that. Were you at Cheltenham? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. I was going to come back from New York that day, didn't I? I started growing my oh, promotion sorry. beard. Oh, yes, your promotion <laughs> <laughs> but that Wickham well, game was the first absolutely of, ridiculous well, we'd been utterly dominant at Portman Road haven't we? and Wickham were chasing a playoff position at that point that probably yeah. ends their run but we're starting just to dispatch teams mercilessly at Portman Road aren't we yeah we are and, we, and we're sort of taking it as red aren't we if you, if you go back to the Forest Forest Green Burton Accrington Shrewsbury Wickham Charlton there 4-0 4-0 3-0 2-0 we are as you say dispatching dispatching teams at home and it's the same players that are scoring the goals as you say Freddie Ladapo's really coming into his own in terms of um, that role of coming on from the bench coming on from the bench and making an impact which he'd struggled with um, previous to that you know he's coming on not really uh, affecting games too much um, you just wondered looking back at the Cheltenham game that um, was a the only game that Broadhead didn't start, didn't he? I think he'd taken a comes bit in, of a Harness kick. Comes in. Yeah, yeah he'd, take, he'd taken a bit of a kick, hadn't he, the previous game. So, you know, missed missed out on that one from a, from a starting perspective. Um, but maybe that little just kick up, kick up the backside to say, look, guys, this isn't over yet. You know, if teams like Cheltenham can, no disrespect to teams like Cheltenham, but if teams like Cheltenham can force a draw against you, you need to be on it every single game. You know, there is no respite out of this. Nothing is going to be easy from here on in. Um, even from Walton's perspective, you know, we've been through that clean sheet run. He makes a bit of an error um, against Cheltenham again. Reset to go again. Um, and as it, yeah, I say, as it transpired, that was really the last the last hiccup of our uh, season. And then Charlton, you've, you mentioned it there, Craig. I mean, utterly, utterly dominant this. 6-0 victory and and, that, and this is what returns us to second this victory because it's three draws in a row for Wednesday you know we, we joke that 
or we, we feared that dropping points to the likes of Cheltenham, Lincoln, Oxford would screw over our season. Well, that's the teams that Sheffield Wednesday drew with at this time. So, Great you know, it's, it's it's League One for you guys, isn't yeah. it? But this 6 0 game just. Uh, Charlton been on a good run as well, haven't they? I think they were in the top six of top, top form teams in the league at that they point. They were a nice opponent, weren't they, Rich, for that point in the Maybe. season? Maybe. The way McCauley, they were going to play. McCauley Bond makes an appearance, doesn't he, as well? But what a, finally a hat trick for Chaplin, isn't it? I think. I'm looking yeah. at my Yeah, to find my taps notes. one in, doesn't he? Yeah. Finally they told me he was going to be top scorer about two months mm. out, and I laughed at him. The, yeah. Um, Interesting, interesting two-game aggregate against Charlton. I think it was 10-4, wasn't it? <laughs> That's tremendous. 10-4, good buddy. But that exercised yeah. a few demons as well, didn't it, Dave? Because yeah. we could have yeah. talked about it in the first part. That 4-4 four, four definitely unsettled oh, yeah. psychologically, half, psychologically so, had, a, had, a, had an impact, yeah. Again, yeah. from a psychological perspective, it's like, right, revenge. And boy, did we mm. do it style, you know? Sunny yeah, day. absolutely. Ran all Happy over him, didn't we? Yeah. And I, I'm going to put this out there, Ben. And I love your video from <laughs> Magnus Dan for this one. Port Vale. Oof. Is this, of all of the, the win at Charlton, Oof. Peterborough, Barnsley, Exeter, is this win at Port Vale the most mentally significant? Definitely, because we weren't very good, were we? Or rather, Port Vale played a really good defensive well organized game. Because if you remember, Daryl Clark was a big favourite there and they'd sacked him. Like the morning, the morning yeah, before. Monday morning. And, yeah. Uh, Andy Crosby's got that job now, which is a bit of a bit of a surprise. And the players really look, really looked at it. And you, you know, you're seeing this, um, you know, low block defense. Hey. Sorry, there it is. There it is. There it is. They snatched that goal, and you think, oh man, oh here we go. And yeah, just to just to come through it. And it, yeah, I know I'm like. Biggest broadhead fanboy as well about his coolness <laughs> to take the penalty. I will also say that is the night I think most of us conceded the title to Plymouth because they yeah. won in the 96th. We'd sit in there <laughs> yeah. so happy. And my yeah. my um, phone, a, a certain gambling app pops up to tell me, and I'm like, what time is that night? <laughs> really? But yeah, I totally agree, Rich. You don't, um, I think it's Paul Merson said, like when he won two titles or whatever with Arsenal, and he said, you play well five or ten times during the season. Everything clicks. You thrash teams. Winning titles is just muscle memory. Grind it out. And that that was it. And if I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, let's be fair, or a Plymouth fan watching that, or a Plymouth fan less so, obviously. But if I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan watching that, you're thinking they're not letting up here. And, um, and I'm here for it. And we talked about these kind of games in the context of previous seasons as well. You know, the, the Crystal Palace win, Seb mm. mentioned that with Jono and his kind of upward celebration there, psychologically massive. And But Dave, would you have taken a point at Peterborough <laughs> if I'd offered it you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, we're, we're all looking at those those runner games on here, weren't we? And we said, well, I think, um, you know, Ben was talking about a run earlier on. So perhaps oh, if we can, I don't know, win eight, drew three and lose one or something like that, wouldn't have been anywhere near. <laughs> wouldn't have been close. We would have, you know, would have been, um, you know, surpassed by probably by Sheffield Wednesday, even under with their runner form by three or four points, I think, probably. So, um, yeah, um, Port Vale, Port Vale, Port Vale result and the, and the manner of it really, really was such an important, such an important win, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and, 
Peterborough had chances in this game, didn't they? Craig, oh, sorry. So, so yeah, I'm going yeah. into the Peterborough game. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. They certainly did. I mean, we, it's just, again, the timing, timing of the goals, reasonably early goal from, mm. reasonably early goal from Burns and then, and then, yeah, just again the manner, you know, just the manner of the performance. Performance after that, I think Walton we defended pretty well, didn't we? Walton made Saves. some. Walton made some decent. But decent Dave, saves. the intangibles, the confidence, and the swagger now is mm. just. It's swagger's a good swagger. I mean, I think the second that, goal sums yeah. it up, doesn't he? Just the quality of the ball and the finish from Chaplin, and yeah, just the the Ladapo goal was the, was the ice time. Okay, again, you know, all right, you only got three or four more games to go in the Barnsley game coming up, but again. What a st- what a statement when you know Sheffield Wednesday would be okay. Perhaps forget Plymouth. Well, no, not at that stage. But Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth would be looking at that game, thinking, okay, right, this is where they drop points. This is our this is our moment. But again, and Sheffield Wednesday fans at that point must be must be well. I know they were. Yeah. Um, you're now still thinking, good Yeah, what have we got? What have we got to do? Don't forget after that. Sheffield yeah, we got the same, we got the, We shared the same login. <laughs> <laughs> after that Sheffield Wednesday blip, what? Ipswich maybe late February into March, maybe into early April. They were again. They're on another winning what four or five game run at that stage. Yeah, Wednesday win the last board, don't they? So, yeah. Um, Craig, I, I want to get a sense of there's there's a few things that need to come together to put a run together like we have, and to do it at big places like Peterborough and like Barnsley, which is where we're going to next. Off the field, the fan base is now fully united as well. There's some noisy away ends at Derby, Peterborough as well. But when the when the town and the fan base and the kind of local area is suddenly buoyant as well it really bigs up the momentum doesn't it we definitely feed off this don't we yeah yeah it does and and ben's used the exact right term in terms of swagger that that the the front three you know the the broadhead chaplin hurst triumvirate was just they were purring at this time weren't they um they were all playing with confidence they were playing knowing you know, with, without um, sounding too pompous, that they were better than the players that they were playing against. You know, they were just oozing confidence and style and trying things that were coming off as well. Um, you know, those through balls that Broadhead was playing, whether it be on the floor or scooping through to, uh, to yeah. Chaplin, were just coming off the under the understanding. It was all just oh, yeah, that, all just clicking. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was it, it was real silky football, but. Going on to Barnsley, we had to show the other side of things once we got up there and uh, battled it out against them. Rich, no one got no one got injured as well. Yep. We, yeah. we moan about Massive, injuries. Yeah. It's, it's all very well saying this is the team. No one got injured. Yeah. Yeah. Big credit to yeah. the off-field team there as well. Fantastic. Um, if I'd offered you a point um, at Barnsley, Craig, before, would you have taken it? <laughs> at yeah. this point in yeah. time, at least. And the thing is, as... as yeah, but as as sort of Dave was saying about Sheffield Wednesday looking at our Peterborough um, match and thinking, well, they're going to drop points there. They could look at that gap of four days, couldn't they? Peterborough and Barnsley on the Saturday, Tuesday, and you know, arguably Thursday. Well, they may pick up two points if they're if they're lucky in those in those matches. Um, but again, you're saying about the crowd. You know, you've taken how many thousand people it was up the A1 on a oh, on a Tuesday night to have a, a singing and a dance. In Yorkshire, yeah, Amazing. absolutely. Um, and we spoke about the um, postponement, which you know, we are fully assured that was all above board and no reason to think not. You know, it was all done in good faith, but it did work out in our favour, didn't it? Yep. Uh, yeah, it did. It, they, were, they had the momentum at the time 
the original, and we had the momentum at the time of the um, And he spoke, he spoke about injuries there even more so. I think the, the key, like Luke O'Connell was not fit for that game, was he? They're sort of fairly key, key midfielder, as we've yeah. seen, subsequently seen. Well, Rich, you talked about the points expectation. <clears throat> the second we went, say, 3-0 up against Peterborough, everything changed because all of a sudden we were talking... Can you get three or four points across the two? And then we mm. knew that Sheffield Wednesday weren't playing on the Tuesday. Um, Plymouth were. So it all of a sudden became about, well, if you don't lose, kind of all right, because Sheffield Wednesday aren't making up any ground. And it was all about, okay, maybe... Where, where were Plymouth? Ac- Accrington or something? Um, Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, wasn't it? No, no, yeah. Shrewsbury was the Port Vale night. I think was they it? were at Accrington when we were playing yes, they were. Barnsley. Yeah, and it was almost like... I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slip up there, and we maybe move past them. But and Seb was um, trying not to use the term free hit, but you could almost see why it was being banded about before that Barnsley game, can't you? We did debate and every I, permutation of those of, of, of what's a good result <laughs> and what's a bad result of that. And, and uh, just, by this stage, by this stage, the, I mean, yeah, it was at least, what happened last. Our, our, our goal difference was just again well, ridiculous. We'll 15, like 20 more than Sheffield Wednesday is crazy. Yeah. Ben, Barnsley weren't out of the mix at this point either. They were definitely hoping to cause an upset or maybe at this point dropped off and maybe they were hoping that we'd, they'd do a favour for us and knock Sheffield Wednesday out of the mix. But this is not its not a gimme match and it was a really tense game for the first kind of 40-odd minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, and I know they're a very sensitive bunch and I don't want to upset the Plymouth fans, but at this point, maybe the hardest game in League One for us, was Barnsley away. Because the way they play, and I love to watch it, I have to say, is proper up and at them, you know, nice, direct, wing-backs forward. You've got to, got to defend well against Barnsley, else they are definitely going to score against you. And it's been a long, long winning streak. I think Mike Duff's done an excellent you, job. You were at the Sheffield Wednesday game, weren't you? Yeah, they were excellent, Dave. Swept them away. And I'm like, if you don't turn up against these guys, they're, you know... The, the problem was we just had this building, building body of evidence of going away to the best teams in the league and and winning. And uh, as a football fan, Rich, you never quite, you know, you never quite super confident. I don't know what it says about you as a person. If you are going, oh, we're definitely going to win, you know, you, you kind Seb. of always that was said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they were right. So yeah. uh, you know, you're like, oh, this this is a tough one, and. Um, just, I think the moment of the season has to be the George Hurst yeah. goal. It was just a spectacular moment in the very same way. The parallels are incredible. I think Mike even tweeted about the number on the shirt of in the promotion season, you've gone 1-0 up and immediately Marcus Stewart is tearing through on goal to make it 2-0 straight away. And just coming up to half time, and you've got yourself a lead. You know, you just maybe you'd have been happy with nil-nil at half time. And just the way the goal transpired as well, that this goes loose. You're all hyper because you've just scored and he starts to run. And you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And this whole away end goes up. And you, I don't know what you call that one second before the player oh, hits the shot. Oh, the pause shot. before the... Oh, and yeah, just the forget. way, the completely audacious, ridiculous way he just larrups it into the corner is the best moment I've had watching Ipswich in, in years when that ball hit the net. And, and, but Dave, the realisation then of yeah, yeah. 
this is happening. We've just hands. gone 2 0 up. This, well, it's almost it, a, done. Almost a Royce, almost every, a Royce a memory, exactly, mem- Wembley every moment, wasn't it? Moment where we needed to step up, we stepped up, and that goal was. And people, you're telling me on the podcast, oh, it's going to be done, Ben, the Exeter game before they no, it's not. Come on, have you seen this season? It's going to the last game. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, hello. And don't yeah. forget that move for the goal starts with they've got a penalty shout in, in our box, haven't they? Marginal you know, penalty shout for a for a for a possible handball, I think, against is it who actually Davis, I think, who clears it. Who um but yeah, you're but, right. And and I think again the statement there, the the, the team of the team of the EFL, the League One team has just been announced and Anderson centre half. He bullied him. Hurst, Hurst yeah. just runs all over him, doesn't he? Just absolutely Anderson's bullied. a great centre half, by the yeah, way. Let's absolutely. Not yeah. Just sheer strength persistence and as you said the finish is just absurd and it's brilliant (laughs) but then as Ben was saying there about defending we defended our box superbly that night you know Walford and Burgess Burgess, yeah Yeah. they just didn't allow much if anything to get past that near post when the crosses were coming in they did Williams Craig constantly and then the long throws go in headed yeah they won all of their headers that day I think I think Burgess shouldn't be underestimated the impact he had after coming back. Um, you know, in that run, he was I thought he was just absolutely superb, wasn't he? And in some some instances, maligned by some people, but I just thought he was fantastic. Well, they, yep. those two are sort Consistent. of a snapshot. They're a snapshot, really, aren't they, of, of the coaching that they receive? Because you know, when, when they're put together, yeah. you've got Wolfenden and Burgess oh, Wolfenden. in terms of their lovely, in terms of their ball playing capabilities. Yep. You've yep. got Wolfenden and Burgess in terms of their defending capabilities. Yeah, they've brought. Burgess's ball playing capabilities up. They've brought Wolfenden's yeah, defending the up, then, and they're now both of a, of a level where you think, "Crikey, they're both decent, very decent defenders now." So it just goes to show that the coaching is going on. Has managed to what what Christ, what I perceive as their, you know, maybe their relative deficiencies. They've, yeah. in, they've better. I think. Them. I think Paul, we haven't got to it. I think possibly there might well be another centre-back coming in, but I wouldn't have any qualms going into next season with those two centre-backs. Will, yeah, we'll come back to that one. I think we definitely yeah, need no, to talk about that, don't we? Um, yeah. Craig, if I'd offered you 5-0 after 32 minutes against Texas, <laughs> would you take it? <laughs> we're just about the, we, I talked about the, the scenes of Barnsley, epic. You know, we had, hmm. Dave and I weren't fortunate enough to be there, but bumper numbers on the live reaction, which went on for about an hour and a half or something like that. Talk to us about the bus parade before the game for Exeter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it was a sunny day that day, wasn't it? If I remember, oh, they're uh, all sunny. I remember rightly. Um, yes. Yeah, so you know, it was it was the day, and yeah, we we spoken about Charlton before, and um, I've said it before about my not so little boy coming along and watching matches, and he's fifteen now and hasn't really had much to shout about in all the years of me dragging him along. And we we were at that Charlton game together, and you think, Craig, four two up. This is it. This is his. Richard Chaplow moment. This is his um, Noel Hunt moment at, at <laughs> Charlton. You know, this is this is your game, mate. You know, this is the one that you'll remember forever. Well, you will remember it forever, but <laughs> not for the right reasons. But now, everyone, all not only us, relatively old guys, but the youngsters have got Exeter at home now as being their memory. You know, whether it, whether they were there at the for the bus arrival amongst the thousands of people that were there with flares and flags and horns and everything. Pirate. Yeah. yeah, to let the players know that, you know, thank you and we're with you for this. But for it to then um, build that momentum and for that momentum to then carry on into yeah. the first 30 minutes of the match, you know, it's just, it was just the perfect day in lots and lots of respects, um, whether it be the weather, whether it be the arrival, whether it be the match, 
whether it be the subsequent celebrations, wherever you may have celebrated that evening. It was just the day. Ben was saying about, you know, Barn- the Barnsley and the Hurst goal being a, a, a memory that he's going to treasure for a long time, the one that he hasn't had for 15, 20 years. Well, that day as a whole, I think, will hopefully live long in the memory of, of everyone that was there. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, Ben, this game to me typifies where this team is. This is this is utterly. I've used the word merciless, but ruthless. <laughs> just efficiency to get the leave no doubt because Exton nothing to lose. We know League One teams come to Portman Road low block and throw caution to win with set pieces and counter attacks. And in the past, you know, drop points to the likes of Lincoln, Cheltenham, etc. This was never going to be like this, but did you expect us to blow Exeter away within half an hour? It was just, feels like unprecedented watching Ipswich Town team to see this level of competence, confidence, and as I said, just ruthlessness. It's just mental, wasn't it? But it's, why would we have expected anything else at that point? Only, yeah. It's only the emotion of being a football fan. I think I said on the pod, I phoned my dad on the way into work that morning, um, and I was... I, what I always try and do, which is probably a terrible thing, is I visualise in my head how you'd win the game, but also how you would lose the game. What would that, what would that look like, us losing it? So I'd even, I'd even kind of, you know, mentally prepared myself for that. But, yeah, generally, if you're two goals up by half-time, you're having a good day. Three goals up by half-time is, you know, a once-in-a-season a, once occurrence, unless you're Man City or something. Five in the first 30 minutes, and... Uh, we had Jamie Mackey, didn't we, on the Telegram thing? And he said, ah, but Ben, the key thing you're not mentioned is Exeter. We've got nothing to play for here. So if Ipswich start well, it will get away from them. <laughs> he absolutely nailed it, didn't it? And that's exactly what happened. If they'd been in a relegation scrap, a playoff scrap, anything like that, you know, they've got something to fight for. Long journey, like Craig said, the whole, and we saw this in the Sheffield Wednesday Peterborough playoff, where it's not 11 against 11, it's 150,000 against 11 and sometimes teams just buckle and um, what a glorious way to do it, Rich. It's like a greatest hits of this of this team though, isn't it? Chaplin gets a brace, tick. Luongo gets a goal, a long-busting run into the box, cross the keeper, scores. Great assist for Broadhead for Hurst's third and then Broadhead gets in on the act as well. Burns, Dave, talk to us about where's Burns because obviously we'll focus on the assist for Davis, we'll focus on the goals for Chaplin, we'll focus on the Golden Glove for Christian Walton. But first off of the season, Wes Burns hadn't lived up to the elevated expectations that everyone had on him. But he turns up consistently in these big matches. I think the guys, Joe might have mentioned it in part one. Where's Burns? unsung hero perhaps of this massively strangely strangely I think he was this season perhaps you know because you know with the signings coming in in January and uh, odd one wasn't it because up till up till Christmas he hadn't perhaps had his you know it wasn't perhaps consistently reaching the heights I think we all said it wasn't really reaching the heights as he did last season I mean fantastic season scenes before player of the year etc I would say he was struggling but it just wasn't you know just wasn't quite happening I think we again we said on the pod that well of course he was so good the scenes before you know um you know opposition and what not wised up perhaps they're doubling up on him which in certain 
certain games they certainly were you know and he wasn't just wasn't having that space but again you know um post christmas again with the run again just just outstanding and, and yeah uh, again confidence being away being away with wales again again with broadhead okay didn't feature much but did get some did get some game time and again post that um for you know eight for the, those last what seven eight nine ten games along with everyone else, he's absolutely superb, wasn't he? And his assist level, and, and, and again, goals and big, he's just a big game player, isn't he? Absolutely, yep. he's a big game player, you know, the, from the, you know, Plymouth at home, the Derby game at home. Peter um, away. Yeah, it's Peter he's, yeah, absolutely. Rich, can I just quickly point. jump in? Craig and I had our big debate about upgrading a player who is fit for purpose or is not fit for purpose or whatever. Where I do agree with Craig is how does these players coming in, these upgrades in January affect other players. Do mm. they may do they maybe look at it and go, hang on a minute, this thing's I going in this direction and I want to go with it. And there's just a bit of a sense with you mentioned Burgess and Wolfenden. Wolfenden less Ladapo, yeah. You know, do I want to get aboard the train and stay on it? And to, to Craig's point about, you know, that fairly merciless strategy of bombing players out what does that do to other players does do, you know does that set a culture of look if i'm not at it here that that picture on the wall next year i ain't going to be in it yeah yeah just to finish this we'll i think we're going to come back and do a kind of an awards pod at some point maybe we'll do it live. am i nominated for any sure <laughs> um interrupting awards <laughs> all, all seven of us are going to be up ones. um <laughs> I've held that for seven seasons. (laughs) (laughs) I want it. We're going to retire Dave's shirt. Dave's out of the running of that one. Um, Just very quick. So we're going to come back and talk about individuals. Yeah, we could talk about, we mentioned Chaplin and um, Ladapa and Chaplin actually both shot Spandainsi and Edwards successful drills. We talked about these kind of stat leader situations in previous pods. We're going to come back and do kind of maybe a bit of a, a kind of irreverent look at the season with some awards and we'll maybe do that live so keep your eyes peeled on our socials and all that kind of stuff for that but very quickly for each of you I just want to know where this season ranks we'll skip past the Fleetwood game because Plymouth do what Plymouth do and they win the league um, mm. uh, we're coming we out of it and need a miracle and a very slim moment where Port Vale take the lead but Plymouth do what Plymouth do yeah this is, does... this is your, your bugbear here Richard's quick one that our crowd still hadn't quite twigged the butterfly effect of us singing about either yeah. winning the league Ugh. or finishing top there was a ri- there was a ripple that then headed down to Devon and the goal went in yeah well we'll talk about most <laughs> yeah tempting fate chance of the season in our awards shall we Craig, very quickly, and I'll go to come to all of you on this one. Where does this season rank in respect of the success, the enjoyment, the kind of off-field factor as well? Because obviously it's a League One promotion. And in our history of mm. the successes, this is pretty low down in, in comparison to winning the UEFA Cup, winning the FA Cup. But all of us have got our own Ipswich Town history. Where does it rank for you in, in terms of all of those kind of tangibles and intangibles? Yeah, well, I think the two things uh, you have to, as you say, yeah, you maybe temper it a little bit in terms of the level that we're playing at. However, conversely, let's compare it against what we've been sat, sat through and sitting through for the the previous umpteen umpteen years since we since we dropped down to the championship bar one one or two free seasons. Um, from my perspective, I think it, it, it really you can gauge it by how old how old you are. I think you know I'm. Of a certain age, I missed out unfortunately on UEFA, the UEFA 
Cup win and started pretty much soon straight after that. So in terms of successful seasons, it's got to be in your top 10. Um, but again, again, referencing, I'm more happy for the kids. You know, I say kids, you know, these, these guys who are in their, tw- in their 20s, yeah, that, they haven't <laughs> experienced anything yet. Kieran, well, yeah. Kieran, certainly, yeah. Jordan saw us play in the Premier League, but Kieran. Yeah, exactly that. So I'm just happy. And, and as you say, Rich, it's shown and it's permeated, permeated through the crowd and into the town. And you saw the scenes before and after Exeter. And hopefully we'll see those come August again as, as well. But I'm just more than happy for those guys, whatever, 20 plus and below, who've now got something that they can hang their hat on. That's what they're going to remember. Like I remember 91, 92, for example. They're of an age where, thank God, for that, we've experienced something. We've had our day in the sunshine too and much in the sunshine, eh? Some people too much in the sunshine. Um, but, you know, they've got that now. Yeah. And they can experience it. And hopefully it's – it's the um, we've got no reason to think it's not going to be the start of something hopefully special. I was going to say, Ben, similar question to you, but give me your sense of what it might mean for next season as well. Because in terms of the ownership group, that's the real quiz, isn't it? Getting out of League One is ticking the box. But in terms of their long-term strategy, it's it's what happens next. How, how does this season give you confidence for next? Well, I feel I'm very unpopular in our Telegram group because I, I tend to think that it's it's my job to kind of temper a little bit the expectations. And I'm not I'm not saying that people are naive enough to think that 90... How many points did we get? 98? Wait a sec. the league yeah. table up, really, shouldn't yeah. I? Um, not that 98 points will then translate to 75 or whatever in the playoffs in... Mm. In, in the championship. So I think it's very, very important to um, to temper it. And there's lots and lots of different challenges in the championship that just aren't present in League One. And we're going to have to excel in different ways. And, you know, I've been very keen to say we were essentially the Man City of League One in terms of the recruitment, able to get the best players pay the highest fees. That's just impossible against FFP and against teams being paid £45 million in their first year of after relegation for a parachute payment. It's just, just you just can't do it. You have to be clever. And again, I'm very unpopular in the Telegram group. It's all very well talking to me about Brentford and Brighton. Don't show, don't tell me, show me, you know, go and sign, go and sign Neil Mope for two million and sell him a season later for 25. Go and sign side Ben Rama, going side, even when we were talking about Gus Hamer for Coventry, 1.5 million euros. It's going to, it is a 15 million pound player after three years of development. Picked up from um, a Dutch team, PS Zoel or something. David will probably heard Zola, of him. Yeah. Yeah, not even a top end Zola. Dutch mm. team. So you've got to be, you've got to be very, very clever about it. It's very, very exciting. I'm very excited. I hope it all goes terribly, terribly well. Um, just to quickly answer the previous bit, if I can, I know I'm banging on. You're totally right, Rich. You don't have the right in life to tell anybody else what is meaningful to them. And I totally agree with Craig. A Liverpool fan doesn't get to tell a Stevenage fan that this season wasn't the greatest season in the history of football. Because to the Stevenage fan, it was. Because they got promoted out of absolutely nowhere. So, yes, it's League One. But we've said on the pod, Dave and I have privately just give us one winning season, <laughs> one bloody winning season that <laughs> permeates the fandom. Uh, from my time watching, I was kind of around in the Premier League later era, but not 
as engaged as I was under George Burley. So I don't think you get close to failing in the playoffs, failing in the playoffs, failing in the playoffs and winning them Wembley. the way we did. That yeah. That is very, very special um, to me um, and the characters. And we've been so lucky on the pod to be able to tell the people that provided us with that moment. Thank you, which is just just incredible. But this is the this is the second. Absolutely brilliant. And I just reiterate my point. The context of every fan is unique, whether you support Real Madrid or Man United and you're winning every year, or whether you support Ipswich and this is the best season in years and I've loved it. Dave? <laughs> um yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's up there. Even for me, it's up there. You know, football's moved on. Yes, I was obviously old enough to see the cup final and the UEFA Cup and everything else and pretty much all the Robson the Robson era as, you know, growing up under that and, you know, obviously, um, you know, years post that. But I think for sheer entertainment and, and, and the football, the quality of football played and the entertainment, even, again, yeah, and Craig quite rightly said, you have to temper at what level we're playing at. But, you know, it's up there. It's, it's it's up there for me. And and I think, again, you fit on that, you know, it's just the feel-good, the feel-good aspect around the club now. You know, the whole, you know, the whole ex, the whole day around Exeter and the, the, you know, the arrival of the team bus and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I think perhaps social media is, is obviously, you know, caught caught fire over that which obviously we didn't we didn't have back then but you know even rich we take me and you pretty much every other saturday we're in the pub post-match and i think you can even even if you take that as a sort of as, as, as a sort of level just the you know as game as the games and the weeks went on just just how the atmosphere changed even even post-match in the in the pub for goodness sake so yeah as as as, as as football as entertainment football for me yeah certainly certainly is is up there and you know as Ben said you know um, yeah obviously for me UEFA Cup FA Cup are up there and playoffs etc but yeah and and look we're go, we're going into you know you're going into the championship you've got to be you've got to be confident we've got certainly got certainly going there in there with momentum um, and yeah I'm not sure we'll get onto that on a later show but recruitment will be a no doubt be a key factor. Well, yeah, well, and is is you know, and and also the, the question of you know Ben talks about you know side band you know, Brentford Ben Rama Mope etc. Arguably, we've got maybe one stroke two players that could fit into that category. Maybe not now, but certainly with another good season under the belt. Mm. Well, we will come back and we we will definitely recap the season with some kind of awards show. We'll do that. As we said, we'll probably do that live. I think we're going to be coming back throughout the summer as well in terms of championship recruitment, big announcements, shirts, pictures, etc. cetera. Um, but we won't be as routine as we have been throughout the season for obvious reasons. But you can still find part one if you didn't watch that already. Our archive of interviews is a playlist for that, including the ones with TWTD, the likes of George Burley, Jason Dizel, Chris Kiwomis, Simon Milton, um, and players around Matt Holland, obviously, from those successful eras of the past. Um, Telegram is available to you as well. The chat is ramping up there as transfer nonsense continues. <laughs> much. Not do, for me, do you like the transfer stuff, Rich? I'm, 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 it's <laughs> not muted it. yet. It's not muted yet. But Chrissy, Chrissy, Chrissy's going big on Will Keane here. Chrissy is oh, going big on Will Keane. Oh, if you would have come <laughs> and enjoyed it, that, then feel free. Two weeks on us and then 
a subscription thereafter, um, merch as well, bluemondayitc.co.uk. How much everything. can people irritate you, Rich, in a free trial over two weeks? I reckon <laughs> I reckon eight transfer rumours per day I would endorse people putting in. Just remember that I have the moderator powers. Um, <laughs> is it is it ethical to ban people during their two-week free period? <laughs> can you imagine? No, it's their free speech right. They they can Sell they it. can link us with um Early. Victor no, that's Joker what the chats they want. But if you like me, there is other Ipswich Town chats available that aren't as <laughs> no. Colby Bishop now on the first tee at Purdis, apparently. There you go. I don't know. Yeah, there it is. There you go. Someone set up a meter reading for him at a new house at Ipswich. So all the bits and pieces, Blue Monday ICC.co.uk. I'm gonna to come to the guys to say goodbye and sum up the season because this is we're gonna mark this as the last proper pod of the season. But I just want to say a few thank yous from on behalf of all of us. Um Ed Lay and Rob at Zoot Management from Editors for the use of that song. And I think we've got to keep that going, haven't we? Now it's it's part of the the setup. Um ITFC, Theo Benoit, Sarah Stafford, Casper Herra um involved in the sponsorships and the live events that we had as well. Hopefully a lot more of those to come. Our good mate Andy Warren, who has now jumped ship mm, to work at ITC. Graham yeah, Mack, luck. Connor Bennett as well, Radio Suffolk for all their support. James Wright, TalkSport, Ben and Tom at Leveller. And the friends of Blue Money, the guys who have got involved in the sponsorship for Lucy O'Brien and Abby Lafayette as well. Jim, Alex, Andrew, James, Mark, Helen, Paul Westlake, Andy Simon, Kristen Richards, Ed, FBL Tractor at ITFC Nostalgia. Matt and Chris, um, thank you for all your support. Your names are at the, the end of the show, but people often skip past that. So thank you on behalf of everyone at Blue Monday for your support. Um, thank you everyone for listening, who subscribed, who's got involved in the chat and on Telegram. And thank you guys for your time, your insights. Well, let's, this let's interrupt you and let's add you on to the end of that, oh, Rich, because people probably don't know in the in the background that, you know, I've moved a lot of times and had a child and we've really kind of handed over the running of the podcast to yourself. And I think what people don't realise is that after we talk for an hour, you then spend another hour editing Dave's yeah. phone going Dave's off phone out the way. all of that and putting tweets out. So um, from all of us, I guess, and probably from all the listeners, for all the invisible Cole Skews stuff that you do that doesn't get noticed, big, big thank you <laughs> to you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah ben, do you want to sign off and say thanks or to anyone or just... No, absolutely no. not. No, yeah. um, I think... Um, <laughs> no, no, thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Dave and I say it from um, the... We, we get accused of a lot of stuff. We don't think we know more about football than anyone. We're just fans. We don't think we're bigger fans, smaller fans. We've got a platform. You've given us the platform. We're baffled that you listen and we love that you listen and it's absolutely amazing that people care about what we say we're just continuing the conversation that you guys are all having on the terraces in in the pub and if it's value to one person and it happens that it's value to a lot more people than that so we would be having these conversations in the pub without the cameras on if not but we we love that you're eavesdropping and um listening in and giving us your views so just thank you to everybody who's listened really Great stuff. Craig, the pop master himself, any <laughs> final words? Jerry well, I, I, I now know why Ken Bruce limits it to 30 seconds for shout-outs. <laughs> <laughs> um, why am I getting such stick today, dearie me? Last show of the um, season. <laughs> no, yeah, just, no, just the same as everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Now, what, what has obviously happened this year, uh, this season, is the Telegram stuff, and it's created a little community in itself. You know, and There's been meetups, there's been... Chats in the pub, you know, we'll go and meet at away game and stuff like that. It's just nice um, to have just that little sub community, if you like, of 
like-minded fans who just can have a chat and disagree and not be horrible about it at the same sort of time. Um, but just everyone enjoy your summer. Um, enjoy buying the the you know, variety of um, promotion tat that's coming out from various <laughs> um, channels. Uh, fill your walls up. Fill your fill your boots with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully have a few shows over the summer and uh, come back in earnest in August. David feels right at the end of a, the first celebratory podcast season of blue monday that you have the final word so <laughs> over to you my friend yeah no it just really echo what the guys what the guys have said and um, i mean you know, i think you can um probably note the uh the quality of the season by the amount of times i've uttered crap over the <laughs> over, over the season really so um no just thanks to everybody both in the you know telegram group and all the um and all the guys that support and follow us and um and obviously look out for mine and craig's cricket podcast coming to you shortly <laughs> It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.